This is football. I'm Kevin Clark. I'm going to rank the seven teams that can win the Super Bowl this year. It's December 10th. It's almost midnight. We just saw the Cowboys completely dismantle the Philadelphia Eagles. And there's a lot to talk about. Um, first, I want to talk about one of the strangest reactions to a loss I've ever seen. And that came out of Kansas City. And we're going to get to the Chiefs, obviously, because they're one of my seven te- teams going to win the Super Bowl. Um, but isolating this reaction, it came out of Kansas City. So Kadarius Tony lines off, lines up offside. They run one of the coolest plays I've ever seen. Would have been one of the best regular season plays ever. Um, Travis Kelsey throws a lateral to Tony, scores a touchdown. Everybody's excited. Turns out Tony was egregiously offside. You could not see the ball in the screen grab. And Gene Serratore was like, well, the reason it's not called very often is because it's never that egregious. Also, typically, as we know, like anybody who's played Pop Warner or watched Pop Warner game, um, receivers normally check with the referee. Didn't look like that happened here. Um, Andy Reid said afterwards, usually a warning, but there's usually more of a conversation about that stuff um, between the receiver and the referee. Didn't look like that that was happening uh, with that play. So everybody comes out from the Kansas City locker room, from Andy Reid to Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes said to Josh Allen, it's one of the worst or weirdest or oddest. He said a couple things. Uh, effing terrible call is what he said. Uh, but but, but he, he said 10 or 11 things in, in a 10-second in a clip I saw from Buffalo TV. Um, then he gets to the podium and just said he'd never seen anything like it. Same with Andy Reid. Um, and that wasn't isolated to those two guys that were – like I saw a quote from the Kansas City locker room saying, like, man, the refs were out to get us or whatever. Um, I don't think that like, – first of all, let's go without saying. I don't think that because a play is cool, it should stand. Kadarius Tony was lined up offside. By the way, Kadarius Tony makes a lot of mental errors. That was why he was available as a former first-round pick midseason last year, really early. I know how talented he is. He pasted Miami a couple of years ago for a long touchdown. But if you make mental mistakes and you take chances on that and you say I can get away with them, well, this is the kind of thing that happens. Um, I don't believe in the uh, – I do, in, in theory, uh, believe in the rule of cool, which is if it's cool, it should stand. Um, but in function, this is what it looks like. Um, cold, hard reality, flags are thrown. Um, what I think is that, so first of all, Mahomes' argument was kind of strange to begin with. It was basically just being like, they should still play it when he, when Kelsey's going to the hall of fame, all that stuff. Like, yeah, we can do that. Devin Hester had an amazing return against Duke when he was in college and people still play that because he broke a bunch of tackles and, and put a bunch of spin moves on there. It didn't count, got called back, but people can still play the highlight. Fine. Nothing against that. But I, I view that reaction as somewhat of a problem, and here's why. It's the sign of a team that maybe deep down knows they need breaks to win a game right now against a good team. Just throwing that out there. Like, if if the Chiefs were rolling and just lost, I don't know, game two, something like that, and lost in that way, and were generating a great pass rush plus had the receivers plus Mahomes was, you know, vintage MVP Mahomes. If that exact same game happens in 2018 or 2019, the reaction is completely different. 
they can still win the Super Bowl. They're still the juggernaut. Mahomes is still the best player in football and always will be until further notice. But when I see that kind of reaction, it leads me to believe their mentality has changed a little tiny bit. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to rank, we're going to power rank, but instead of going one through 32, that'd be ridiculous on a recap show. We're just going to go through the teams that can legitimately win the Super Bowl. And I did on a Friday, like two months ago, who can win the Super Bowl. And it's a good exercise. Like normally it's like coming into the season, 15 teams that immediately gets cut their injury to 10. And then typically going into to this kind of, of week, week 15, week 16, week, week 17, you're looking at anywhere from, from four to eight. I settled on seven. And there's some borderline teams I included that I'm going to throw in because teams can get hot now. And by the way, getting hot is a skill. And I've never figured it out. Like I've never, I remember we had James Jones on our show a couple of years ago. And they, he was obviously on those Packers teams, you know, 2011, great example. Like they played their best football in December. And I've always wanted to know what that meant. Like, how do you do that? How does, how did Bill Belichick sleepwalk through September and figure out December? Pete Carroll, Legion of Boom, same thing. I think the closest thing, Mitchell Schwartz talked about this a couple weeks ago on the show, the closest thing is teams do spend September and October figuring out some things. Like Mitch Schwartz talked about the Alex Smith team that basically worked on their deep ball for the first eight weeks of the season and then had the best deep passing game in, in the NFL second half of the season. Like that's a good example of, of how that works. Is saying, if we do this, then we can explode in December and then you figure that out. Whatever that might be, that could be, I don't think you can scheme of a scheme of a pass rush, but maybe that's figuring out how to get home on blitzes more effectively. Who, who, which, which player, if we send them occasionally, will step up. That sort of thing. On offense, it's just a couple scheme things. Maybe it's figuring out the deep routes. Maybe it's just figuring out protection schemes. All that stuff. But that's that's generally kind of ballparking what I think is is what's happening if you're playing your best football in December. Who's playing the best football in December right now? We're starting to see it. It's not the Philadelphia Eagles, it's the Niners, it's the Cowboys, it's the Ravens, it's not the Chiefs. So let, let's rank them. Let's rank them and then, then we'll we'll get through it. Um, I'm going to start with the obvious one. Number one team. I'm handicapping in here. And I, I, I thought about doing a couple of different things here because I thought maybe who, who do I not want to see in the playoffs and be ranking of that. But that's just quarterbacks. I don't want to see good quarterbacks. So that's a stupid way to look at it. So I just did the best, the, the teams I think are likeliest to win the Super Bowl right now. And I'm going to start with the, the Niners. Um, it's, it's funny that they, they just bring it every week and I can trust them. The, the Seahawks, it, it felt like, and you saw this with DK Metcalf thing, it felt like the, the Niners just in their head. and. The Niners do everything well every week. And I've always, like, there's an old baseball saying, momentum is the next day starting pitcher. Like, there is no momentum. There's only just pitching the next day. And then everything else gets sorted through that. Uh, in football, it's a little more complicated. But what it really is, is a reliable pass rush, good quarterback play, and keeping your quarterback upright. And you can kind of get away with the third thing being less than stellar. But if you can rush the passer and your quarterback makes good decisions, you will always have what we call momentum. It'll always work. It is always on time. That train is never late. 
And the Niners have that. Like, I, I believe in very few things in life, let alone football. But I believe in the quarterback position and passing efficiency. Now, some of that is play calling and then rushing the passer. Then there's a huge gap and there's a bunch of other stuff I believe in. Right now, Brock Purdy, this is via Chase Stewart, has 35, 3,553 passing yards and 359 passes. 9.9 yards per attempt, the highest average by any passer in over 65 years. I would love to know who the last one was. Now, football used to be be a straight-up different game. Like, if you watch pre-Super Bowl stuff, when guys got, like, it was a good season to have 25 touchdowns and 25 interceptions, it was just basketball. It was just guys throwing balls up. So, like, those stats are the opposite of the dead ball era back then. It was just, like, guys throwing it up and seeing what happens. Um, So you'd get, you'd get, significantly longer than 9.9 yards per attempt. So that's what Purdy's at right now. But then on the other side of the ball, they've got depth in pass rushing. And I, I, I play around these stats all the time, but I value depth in pass rush and the ability to have multiple guys who can get home on the quarterback far more than having one player like Miles Garrett, Micah Parsons, TJ White. You can scheme that out. We'll get Chris Long on the show in the next month. We'll talk about that. You can scheme... One guy, even if he's an absolute game wrecker, out of the game. It's harder when that guy is playing inside like Aaron Donald, but it's possible. Just throw the kitchen sink at that one guy. If you've got four or, God forbid, five, it's a real problem. Armstead, Hargrave, Bosa, Chase Young, all have over 40 pressures. Um, Chase Young and Bosa, both over 50. I know Chase Young did a lot of those with the commanders, but still they have the types of guys who can get pressure on every single snap. They have a mentality I think is important in January. And I've heard Tom Brady talk about this. He doesn't call it mental toughness. because He thinks that's tied into intellect. What he calls what we call mental toughness, he calls emotional toughness. And I think the Niners had that. Like, I think they would have made the Super Bowl if they had had a functioning quarterback last year let alone their starting quarterback going into that game, Brock Purdy. Um, they can keep their cool when everybody else, not to be Kipling here, but like everybody else is losing their heads. And their Fred Warner is just kind of looking at DK Metcalf being like, what the heck's going on? And then Metcalf grabs his face mask after body slamming him. Um, I think that, and I, by the way, I know Drake Greenlaw is probably the exception to this when I talk about them keeping their cool, but I just feel like they have a mentality to take care of business every single Sunday. And that's because they know they're so good at their jobs. They have the talent to do it. The roster is stacked that I just feel like they're, they're, I don't expect them on the NFC championship game Sunday to absolutely crap the bet. Other teams I do, but the Niners are not one of them. They know what to do when they do it. They have good coaching, good roster talent. The Purdy stats are absolutely insane. Just like going through it. I have a bunch of deep pass stats I'm not even going to read right now. But I don't know. I, I, I don't know if you're going to argue against the Niners other than Kyle Shanahan's never won a Super Bowl. I'd love to know the argument against it. They keep their, their guys upright. Um, they've got skill guys who – Catch the ball. I mean, and by the way, it's a mixture of yards after catch and then deep passing. And they have skill guys who you can trust. Injury could obviously play a part in it. Turnover luck, whatever, bunch of fumbles, something crazy could happen. But I'd have a real tough time 
arguing seriously against them. Now, that's not to say that I'm going to pick a bunch of AFC teams here right now and say the Niners are going to make the NFC. I'm not going to say that. Because my number two is the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know how it's not. They're the hottest team in football. That doesn't mean the best. It means the hottest. And Dak Prescott's throwing perfect passes right now. We just saw the, we just saw this the, the damn Eagles game where they dismantled the reigning NFC champion and a team that we thought had their number. And there are a couple of red flags, I guess you could say. You know, Terrence Steele is one of the worst pass blockers in football by pressures allowed. Fine. Like, that's something you can manage. On the other side, Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, Odigizawa, and Collinsworth is talking about him tonight. Like, he doesn't even get to rush the passer much, but he's extremely successful at it. They've got athletes. They understand how to draft athleticism. And then Dan Quinn, especially on the defensive side of the ball, Dan Quinn is able to channel that into just surrounding the ball, moving towards the ball. Um, C.D. Lamb is one of the best receivers in football. Uh, the line outside of Steele, obviously, is really sturdy. Um, although I could not believe 63 gassing after seven yards of running on that Jalen Carter touchdown. Just try, try to find a replay of that thing. They're by far the team with the best form, the team I trust the most in the NFC East right now, and the second best team in the NFC, and the second best team in the NFL. Um, if there's a weakness, it's that Mike McCarthy makes really bad decisions late in, in games and late in the season. And we've seen that over and over and over again. But I, I know, and I know, and like, I, I've laughed about this, but like, it was, I felt maybe queasy. I, I picked them to make the Super Bowl before the season started on the first episode of the show. And then I, they get their ass kicked. And then I say, well, why? I'm so stupid. I, I went with the team that looked at Mike McCarthy and said, we need more Mike McCarthy. I got really nervous about that. And now it looks like this roster and this quarterback and the top end talent. Stephon Gilmore, awesome. Like the, the Eagles receivers were in hell, absolute hell on Sunday night. I don't look, know how you look at this and say this team is not deadly serious about winning significant games in January. Um, I, I would put them, I would put them second in the NFL right now. I understand. I think there's an LOL Cowboys aspect of this all. Like, oh yeah, wait till they the bed, Dak, Dak. It's like, no, Dak, Dak's probably going to win MVP if this continues. And I don't want to get, I do want, do not want to do MVP again, but I'm just letting you know, Dak's going to win the MVP unless he unravels in the next couple of weeks. All right. My number three. So I got to be honest with you. Full transparency. The reason I did this gimmick in the late afternoon, is because I wanted to talk about how good the Ravens were. Ravens won the game at home over a pretty plucky Rams team. It's getting better every week, the Rams. And I want to kind of crown them as a, as a real Super Bowl contender, and I will do that. But my biggest regret going into this season was talking myself out of saying the Dolphins were going to make the Super Bowl. I still believe if Joe Burrow had been healthy all season, and had not had the calf injury, I do believe the Bengals would have won the Super Bowl. Didn't happen. Maybe they'll make the playoffs with Jake Browning. I don't know. Um, they certainly have a chance. But I, I just 
the way the roster was set up, the coaching staff, Joe Burrow, they would have won the Super Bowl. I absolutely believe that. But once the calf injury happened, I briefly thought about the Dolphins as my AFC team and then thought about the Jalen Ramsey thing. And I said, am I making the same mistake? Let's just roll with the Bengals. And ever since then, I've been kicking myself because they have genuine pass rushers and depth at that position, even after Jalen Phillips goes down. It's interesting that, so if you look, there's a correlation between teams that make the Super Bowl and getting over seven yards per pass attempt. Um, basically, just, I mean, think about think about how efficient you are if you get seven yards per pass attempt. I think net adjusted on pro football reference. Just, just sort it. Just sort it. Every year you will find good teams when you, when you find the teams that have 7.0 or higher yards per attempt. This year, that group, and it's always exclu- exclusive, this year that group is Niners, Dolphins, Texans, Bills, Lions. Three of those teams have real warts, but the Niners and Dolphins are, I believe, the best of that group. The Dolphins have been pressured. Tua has been pressured 13% of the time. Only one other team is below 15%. Oddly enough, the Raiders. But there are teams like, the Giants are pushing 30%. The Dolphins are at 13. Tua gets rid of the ball quickly and they move downfield. Like, I don't know what you want. Like, people talk about, the, I guess, the talent on the line. And like, okay, I'm a little bit nervous about that. But on the other hand, he gets pressured 13% of the time. If you can scheme that away, there's no problem whatsoever. Tyreek Hill has gained 100 more yards on post routes and go routes than any other receiver on those routes. On any route. Like, listen to what I'm saying. He There are two routes where Tyreek Hill not only leads the NFL, but has 100 more yards on those routes than any other receiver has on any other route. 938 yards total on just vertical routes. So leaving out everything else, just those two routes combined. Explosive plays, and that's not even taking into account Jalen Waddell and Devin Achan and all these guys who are unbelievably good. They have basically perfected the art of the explosive play. They don't even need third down anymore. They just... Get the thing, get the first down, first and second down. So I don't, you add that with the defense that seems to be getting better every single week. Jalen Ramsey is fully healthy now. Um, I mentioned the pass rush earlier. It's not the same roster as the Niners. It's not like 153 where we're just like, Jesus Christ. But it's still really impressive. And in the AFC, everything is going to hell. We're going to get to the, Justin Herbert thing. I, obviously, that team went to hell weeks ago, but it's disappointing. He's got a fractured finger now and stay the league get fired soon and all that stuff. But in an AFC that is increasingly dire, that's as complete a team as there is. Now, that brings me to the second best team in the AFC right now as far as teams I think can win the Super Bowl. That's the Baltimore Ravens. Same sort of profile as the teams I really like. They won on Sunday in a really gritty game. They get after the passer, but there are problems. Jonas Schaefer, who's a really good Ravens beat writer, said this was basically the secondary's worst game of the season. Marlon Humphrey, this is via next gen stats, 92 yards allowed in coverage and defensive pass interference. Brandon Stevens, 58 yards allowed, one touchdown. Um, Arthur Millette, 
44 yards allowed. Kyle Hamilton, red zone, defensive pass interference. By the way, Kyle Hamilton banged up in this game. If that became anything serious, that's something to watch severely. But Jadavian Clowney, 55 pressures this year. Kyle Van Noy, 31. Adebuke, OA, Pierce. These guys get after the quarterback. The offensive line is good. Um, today, Lamar Jackson, I couldn't even believe this. Lamar Jackson became the last player in the league right now who has one to get a deep touchdown pass. There were only three players in the NFL coming into Sunday who are qualified quarterbacks who did not have a deep touchdown pass. 21-yard touchdown to Zay Flowers. The other two quarterbacks were Zach Wilson and Bryce Young. One guy who's not returning to his team next year and Zach Wilson and one guy who already got his coach fired. So the fact that Jackson's been doing this without a deep passing game that's been significant um, as far as shutdowns go is important. And if he gets that and he develops that and Odell looked awesome today and he was wide open, if he gets those sort of that sort of game going, um, you could see really, really scary version of this team. Mike McDonald's the best young coordinator on the defensive side of the ball in football. Um, and they won this game. I think I saw the, this. there were nine lead changes, the most in the NFL on uh, this year in this game. Um, and so, I don't know. I mean, like, I just think that if, if, if we're talking about the definition of a team playing their best December football – you add all of these things in together, again, assuming Hamilton health, you add these things in and you think like the floor on this team is already so high. Maybe there's a pathway for them to just become awesome. I would pick the Dolphins to beat them in January, just the way things are developing, but I would not be surprised in any of this stuff. That's why I ranked the Dolphins ahead. I'm just letting you know, I would not be surprised in anything in the AFC. Um, after that, I have the Eagles. Eagles pressured Dak Prescott on five of 25 dropbacks in the first half. Um, they already had the fourth worst pressure mark in the league and it got worse. They, Jalen Hurts looks off. Um, I don't want to say, I, I just hate the idea. This is like weird content thing where we say this looks broken. Oof, this looks broken. I don't really know what that means. Like you can have, it's the NFL. Like you can have three bad games in a row because of one little scheme thing. And, and that's, that's what they're going through right now. But that doesn't mean it's broken. If it's like I broken implies unsalvageable. And that was the strange thing to me. And I, if I've ever said it, it means I'm a moron. But like when people say, oh, this chief's offense looks broken. Well, they have Patrick Mahomes. So they'll probably figure it out. Um, but the Eagles right now are in a, a real, real rut and the roster is still good. I do believe in the talent of the pass rush, even if not the productivity, but they have a couple problems. Number one, this roster, and I love how I rose when I did a whole thing on him a couple weeks ago, talking about how, like how valuable he is to a franchise, but like there were some misses. Keely Ringo, the rookie out of Georgia had the pick six against Alabama a couple years ago, had 30 yards uh, of one, one penalty or one, one play, 30 penalty yards on one play, uh, face mask plus pass interference. And you just get into, like, he was a late round pick. Um, you're paying different guys. You're having to rely on rookies a little bit more. Jalen Carter was a home run pick. He had the touchdown on Sunday. 
Um, but the back end is really worrying. The linebackers are really worrying. I don't think Shaq Leonard's going to help that much. Safeties are not what they, they need them to be. So the lines are taken care of from both sides. Quarterback will get better. Skill guys we know will get better. But my question is, are the deficiencies too much to overcome when you run up against a stacked team? And that could be the Niners. That could be the Cowboys right now. Um, that's the question. I would not have expected a roster talent question, but an NFC that is very top heavy, you have to just sort of enter that into the conversation. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, use the code OmahaFull and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. You keep those winnings. But if you lose, you get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and up only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 wager only. Must wager with eligible promo code BET. Amount of qualifying wager return only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Hannah's New Orleans. Maine, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-888-427-426-2537 or West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Um, all right. Aforementioned Chiefs. First of all, came into this game with a 7% drop rate. I, I saw a stat that was basically just like perfectly thrown passes. Mahomes leads the NFL. But then, obviously, there's that gets lost in translation. 
The Rams and the Cowboys, by the way, are up there in drop rate. They're just not even close to 7%. Uh, I've said they're going to figure this out for a couple reasons. Number one is that I think they could use an extra pass rusher. Surprise, I think they should use an extra pass rusher. Um, I think every team could. Um, But they've got a young defense that's only going to get better just in, in years, which I think is more important than one year of Mahomes having great skill guys. They still have Travis Kelsey. They should have won this game on Sunday. Um. If Tony just lines up, uh, what, I don't even know, 15 inches behind where he was, um, they would have won this game. But they I, they look broken. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, it, it's, it's at this point, it's a matter of like where is I, – I can't keep sitting here every single week and talking to the same blue microphone and saying they're going to figure it out, they're going to figure it out, they're going to figure it out. Because I think that if anybody, like Mahomes is the best problem solver since Tom Brady, since Tom Brady left the NFL. And I don't mean like Tampa Bay Tom Brady. I mean like peak Belichick Brady solving, going around being MacGyver. That's a reference for you 50-year-olds. Going around every single week and saying, how are we going to triage this? And Mahomes and Reed can do that. They can solve any problem put to them in offensive football. But they've got a lot of things that need to go right. Kadarius Toney needs to... Stop making mental errors. MVS needs to catch the ball. Travis Kelsey needs to be at absolute health. Um, the line needs to stop committing penalties. Uh, there's just I, I I look at it as what needs to go right and what can what can you afford to go wrong. And the margin of error on this Chiefs team is unlike any other Chiefs team we've seen in the Mahomes Reed era. And that comes down to the roster. That comes down to just having youth in a lot of different places, spending priorities. Um, there's just a lot there. And so I'm putting them, obviously they're on the list of teams that win the Super Bowl. Um, I'm putting them at the bottom because even with the name brand of Mahomes and Reed, they still have of this group, the most things that have to break right for them to make the Super Bowl. Um, again, it's not that many, but it's, it's like, you're depending on a bunch of guys who've never come through before to do something. And they've, they've had that before. Like how much can you get away with when you have Patrick Mahomes? The answer is a lot. How much can Patrick Mahomes, like my favorite Patrick Mahomes throw is when he just says to a receiver, Hey, I know that you're bad. I'm just going to rocket this into your arms and you're going to literally fall down and we're going to move on to the next play. And it's going to be 15 yards down the field. And like, it's a hundred percent correct that they traded Tyreek Hill. They could not have afforded to pay Tyreek Hill what he was asking for. There's a lot of daylight between not having that and, and trading him, trading that away and and having MVS and Kadarius Tony be the guys who need to come through for you on January 13th. There's a lot of daylight. And so that's why I have them at the bottom of this list. But I would I mean like they could be they could be 0 13 right now and they've been on the list of teams I think they win the Super Bowl. Like they're that special. There's just a lot that needs to get fixed. So that's it. Um I got to tell you, so I wanted to do six and I'm throwing one more team on because I'm a coward. Even though I think they only have a 40% chance to make the playoffs. I think that was a stat I've got somewhere around here. Here it is. Um, AFC playoff chances updated through late afternoon window. 
via Seth Walter. Ravens 99%, Dolphins 99%, Chiefs 97%, Jaguars 93%, Browns with Joe Flacco. That is not the team on the list. 83%, Texans 54, Colts 40, Bills 39, Steelers 34, Bengals 22. Somebody, I got a bunch of listener questions asking if the Bengals can win a playoff game. The answer is no, but I, I love their story. Um, it's the Bills. If the Bills sneak in, who wants to see that team? I'm not going to compare him to Alabama in the playoff, but like Josh Allen, I remember when I remember 30 minutes ago when I was joking about how I didn't want to do, who do you want to see less because which team do you want to see less because just ranking up quarterbacks? Yeah. But if there's a team that you really don't want to see, then that team can win the Super Bowl. And this Bills team is a little bit different than they were. Their success rate has been sky high on offense all year statistically. They do little things well, I think. What they don't do is rush the passer well enough. They've invested so much in that, and they can't do it still. They can get sloppy on the defensive side of the ball. But they've been putting up a ton of points. The play today, Josh Allen was 0.2 yards from the sideline on that pass to Latavius Murray. The closest distance to the sideline of any completion since 2018. So basically when they started tracking this. Completions, this is an incredible stat. In that timeline, completions within one yard of the sideline. Josh Allen has five. The rest of the NFL is combined for one. He is playing a different sport. It's about problem solving. He can just do whatever, like Mahomes could do that if he wanted to play in less structure. But Allen wants to play that game and he thrives. Like he understands how to play that game. So like, yeah, you count him out in January. You go ahead. So, um... I just went full local talk radio there. I kind of liked it. Um, so I can't leave off the bills because I'm a coward and a fraud, but that's 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 where I am. So the Lions, not on this list. Jaguars, not on this list. Um, I just don't see that pathway. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, they're all really good. Lions were on this list. I Lions were on the, my list of... Efficient passing teams earlier, but they can't rush the passer outside of Hutchinson. The Ali McNeil uh, injury is a disaster. They're not, they've played sloppy for weeks at a time, and their defense, I haven't looked at it recently, but I know in the second half of the season, they've basically been on a lot of EPA statistics, one of the worst defenses in all of football, if not the worst on a week by week basis. Second half of the season. So, like, yeah, I don't think – you know about things getting cleaned up. They've got to clean up an entire side of the ball. So, yeah, that's that's why they're they're off the list. Those are the seven teams. Those are the rankings. Flynn, let's get to questions. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. First up, Ricky wants to know, should the Bears trade the number one pick again and again go all in on Justin Fields? So, 
I saw a couple of people. So I, Ricky asked the question on Twitter, and some people were like, well, we can't make the same mistake twice. What was the mistake? Not drafting Bryce Young? I, th- that was strange. Um, they absolutely made the correct decision. By the way, DJ Moore is awesome. I don't need anything about training the pick. They should. They should auction off the pick and just say, what do you got? And see what happens. Because what's the answer here? Is there, and the unfortunate thing is if they could take advantage of anybody this year, it'd be someone like David Tepper, who's already done it. They've already taken advantage of him. But who's next on that list? Who's next on that list that gets to say, we're going to give up, you know what? Caleb Williams is better than Bryce Young. We're going to give up five first round picks. I don't know. I think there's a lack of teams that are that desperate, possibly. Or they don't have their picks like Tepper. Um, I don't know who that would be necessarily. They would say, we're going to sell the farm for this guy. But I think he would listen. Because I think you can, at some point, I did the uh, monologue on this a couple weeks ago. At some point, you become so stacked with first round picks, you can't be bad. And if you miss on Caleb Williams, which is totally a possibility or Drake may, whatever. Um, there's no such thing as a surefire quarterback. And all of these things, I keep saying this, all of these things about Bryce Young, so many of them are in hindsight. Nobody was saying this last March. And so what's a better guarantee? 10 first round picks over, what, a four-year period when you consider your own picks, the Panthers picks, and then hypothetical team four or five picks. Like, that's a ton of picks. So what's a better guarantee? That that will build a good team or that one player, Caleb Williams, will thrive in the NFL enough to get you to a Super Bowl in a roster that already lacks a lot of talent? I don't think it's I don't think it's as, as black and white a, an answer as you think. I would make every effort to see what's out there, and then if you don't like what like make make it a value proposition. If you don't like what's out there, take Caleb Williams. That's fine. But I I think I would have a very very open mind if I was the Bears only because of what could be out there if one owner is desperate enough. All right, excellent. We have a couple Chargers-related questions. First, Dr. Bees says, we know that Justin Herbert is talented, but is he good or is he Jeff George? Part two comes from Bark. Why hasn't Staley been fired? Well, these are related. So Justin Herbert has a fractured finger. They're going to find out, I guess, tomorrow what that timeline looks like. The Chargers went 0 for 12 on third down today. The worst game in over 40 years. Uh, I don't really know what the hell is going on there with Easton Stick. Um, first of all, Herbert is not Jeff George. I was surprised. And by the way, we're talking about throwing the ball up. Jeff George was kind of really bad till he was 30. He got a lot of at-bats in this league. First time he had a 3-to-1 touchdown interception ratio was when he was 30. He only had a 2-to-1 touchdown interception ratio once in the period before that. He barely had more touchdowns and interceptions in most years. And in a few years, he had more INTs and touchdowns. Like, he was real reckless with the ball. Um, but I, I understand what you were saying about what the question asker was saying about Herbert. That is he just a strong arm guy who can't, who can't win anything and whatever? No. No. I think that he is going to eventually break out of this little curse he's in. Um, I think the 
better analogy from a career perspective would be Philip Rivers, who couldn't win anything significant because he was in that infrastructure and all the talent and names of the world in the world didn't seem to matter. Um, Staley hopefully gets fired after this season. They can hire an offensive head coach, maybe like a Jim Harbaugh, and we can see. Like, I am more likely to criticize Herbert than some of my media brethren who have decided he cannot be blamed. But I can also blame a whole lot of people before I blame him. can blame Brandon Staley, certainly. Tom Telesco. I've been off the Kellen Moore train all season. Go back and listen to some of those tapes. I basically said that they were trying to increase explosive plays and they hired a guy who doesn't really have a playbook full of explosive plays. Not really a huge fit. So hopefully it actually happens this year. Hopefully they understand what they need to do. Um, I hope they don't rush Justin Herbert back to try to save somebody's job or 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 whatever, save him for himself. There's an organization thing. If he's got his fractured finger, don't let him go. Screw around the next month this season. Next we hear from Davis. What do teams do about the epidemic of bad offensive lines? So I I, I was intrigued by this question because I do believe offensive lines are getting worse. Now, some of this is because of the way the rookie wage scale works, where you're going to have a bunch of rookies on the offensive line, basically just by happenstance. Used to be go out, sign a couple veteran minimum guys, and you have a very old offensive line, a bunch of 35-year-olds, kind of big uglies, big hogs up there, hog mollies, and you could get by. Now you'd flip that the way the wage scale works and you'd have, you try to get by with a couple 23 year olds who are sixth round picks. I do believe offensive lines have gotten worse because of that. But I also believe that offensive line, it's not like defensive line. I don't think if you can't rush the passer, you're just done in this league. Offensive lines can be managed. You can have quick game stuff. You can move the pocket, you can do bootlegs. Um, and so I don't think it's – I think it's an epidemic of safety. And if you're getting your quarterback killed, you need to adapt. But I actually don't think – I was actually looking at um, some of my stats the other day about like what teams are good, basically like, like what the profile is of good teams. And there were a lot of teams, including last year's Chiefs team, where they'll have one or two guys who actually have a bunch of uh, – linemen who allow a ton of pressures relative to the average player. Like that's not a problem. Having one bad offensive lineman, two, two bad offensive linemen, that can be overcome. So I actually don't think it's anything. I think what we're conflating with is bad quarterback play. And we're saying guys can't read the blitz or they're holding on to the ball too long. Or, I mean, like it could be just a, a cascade of everything like with, with the Panthers where it's a bad offensive line. I mean, that those numbers are ugly. And then the, the offensive weapons aren't helping them. And so there's nothing happens. So I think that the offensive line thing can be managed. It's when nothing else is going right that the, the lines look so much worse. Finally, Jeff wants to know, why should Pete Carroll coach beyond this year? It is stale. Okay, so I'm going to get Pete Carroll's age here. I don't want Pete Carroll to have to become Pacific Northwest Bill Belichick here. He's 72 years old. I don't know... Who would be the succession plan? Um, I don't think, first of all, I, think, I, I still think there's a lot of respect for John Schneider in the league. I think he's still a really good GM, even though he had a couple of years of misses. 
Um, it's a good infrastructure, but who are you going to get that's better immediately? Could they get a coach in waiting? Do they want to make it Shane Waldron? Do they make it, I mean, like Clint Hurt? Is he doing a good enough job? I don't know. What I do know is that it seems like before the Legion of Boom, Carroll was underrated. And then it seemed like after the Legion of Boom, Carroll was underrated. And then in between is a bunch of spikes where we go, oh, Pico's pretty good coach. Pretty damn good coach. So I would, it could be so much worse than this. Look at New England. Like I, w- I would ride this one till the wheels fall off. I'm good here. I'd give him two more years at least and then start thinking of a succession plan. Um, which, by the way, like New England might have the built with, with Gerard Mayo. Not enough people are talking about that. We're talking about Ben Johnson and stuff. Like, think about Mayo there. I don't. I just honestly don't know. No, have not heard anything about a potential succession plan. And I would not move off Carroll until that is squared away. Flynn, we done? We are done. All right, cool. All right, we'll be back midweek. Um, one of the best, most entertaining former players out there will join us midweek, then back on Friday. Thank you to Flynn. Thank you to Miles. See you then. This has been football.